Thank you for listening to the Deep Creek Pulpit, the preaching ministry of Pastor Joshua Hitchcock, pastor of Deep Creek Baptist Church in Harrodsburg, Kentucky, where we seek to be faithful to Scripture and relevant to everyday life. Enjoy receiving presents. I would be lying if I said that I didn't. One of the greatest joys as a parent is to give parents and see the kid's face light up with joy and excitement. Uh, Some say it's more blessed to give than to receive. And while that may be true in our text today, in the final verses of Philippians, Paul is rejoicing because he has been the recipient of the Philippians' generosity. This final passage is an expression of thankfulness of their generosity to him, their their financial gifts to him as he continues to do the Lord's work. His joy is increased in receiving their gift of generosity, and their joy is increased in giving generously. I'll say more to this later, but the reason we partner with uh, Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child as we've We did earlier on, and the reason we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is because we're giving generously out of a joyful heart that has received the greatest and most generous gift of salvation through God's Son. So at Christmas time, even as we enjoy receiving presents, it is a time to joyfully give generously to others. We do that through supporting foreign missions, and we can do that by showing generosity to people who live down the street. And as we get into our text... Uh, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to be in verse 10, and I'm going to read that through the end, and we'll we'll get rolling here. Uh, Paul says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at least, at last, you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked the opportunity. Now that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I I am in. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having an abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, <coughs> but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I've received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory and forever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I'm going to talk about the joy of generous giving this morning as we enter into Christmas where where we give and receive gifts. Uh, We we give to these ministries to, to support others. The first thing I want us to note here from the text is that generosity arises out of a concern for others. In the text here, Paul says he, he rejoiced greatly in the Lord. Now, there's, our, there's the theme of joy in the book of Philippians. Joy or rejoicing is mentioned 16 times in these four chapters. 
He says he rejoices greatly in the Lord because they've revived their concern for him. And he writes, he said, you were concerned before, but you lacked the opportunity. Now, it's not that they stopped being concerned for Paul. I don't think they, they, they stopped being concerned for him. They were obviously concerned before, but for some reason were prohibited. Uh, in this instance is what he's referring to. They were pro- pro- prohibited from, from giving. They didn't have the opportunity. But now that they, they have revived their concern for him and they have contributed to his needs. But for whatever reason, he's referencing a previous time to where they were concerned before, but did not have the opportunity to contribute to him. To give to him. Now we don't know what that is. But we see here that they have a concern for Paul. They have a concern for him. That they, 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 they care about him. And this concern had been revived as they began to give. Two things to note here is that generosity arises out of a concern for others. The, the word concern literally means to be on one's mind. To, to think about. We, we, we are thinking about somebody. We, they are on our minds. And so because they are on our minds, we, we, we give. They had an overwhelming concern for Paul's cares. They were, Paul was constantly on their mind. The second thing we see is that now they, they have had an opportunity to give to him. It's one thing to be concerned about someone, but if the Lord gives you the opportunity, then you must take it. If I have the resources to give and the opportunity to give, but then I don't, that shows a lack of concern for others. And generosity arises out of that concern for other people, but it always results in generous giving when the opportunity presents itself. As believers, we ought to have that concern for others. Others must be on our minds. We must give generously when we have the opportunity. And our joy will be increased when we give. And if we're on the other end of that and we are in need, then we must also receive the generous gifts of others with joy. As Paul was. Sometimes we don't want the help of others. You know, somebody might try to slip us some money here. No, 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 I don't need that. No, they're, they're trying to give out of a uh, generous heart, and we must receive that joyfully. We want to be self-sufficient, and it can be humiliating at times to let, other, other knows when we, let others know when we're in need. We don't want people to know that we're struggling, but yet we must receive the joyful generosity of others when they give out of a genuine concern to us and for us. We must give generously. That will increase our joy. We must receive generously. Our joy is increased in the giving and of the receiving. Generosity originates out of a heart of concern for others. But number two, generosity is grounded in a heart of contentment. Paul says here in verse 11, he says, I don't speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I Amen. Contentment. Now that's a big word. Sometimes we're not very content. We, we want another job. We want a raise. Uh, a lot of times we're not content. But, but here Paul is saying, I've learned to be content. 
in whatever circumstances I am in. So a couple things that we see here in these texts, these verses that follow. Number one, contentment is not based on our circumstances. The first thing we see here is that he is content, and he says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. And, and as he continues, I, I, I've learned, I know what it's like to be hungry, and I know what it's like to be filled, I know what it's like to have abundance, and I know what it's like to suffer need. I, I, I've been on the wide spectrum, and, and, and contentment is not based on those situations. You know, you could have nothing. And not be content because you, you want what you need. You want, you want that supplied so you're not content. You can have everything in the world and still want more and not be content. Contentment is not based on our circumstances. There will never be a time where we have enough or have enough that we are satisfied. If, if we are putting our trust and our, our joy in material possessions, we will never be content with what we have. Paul says, I've learned to be content. So contentment is not based on circumstances. Contentment is also learned. It is not natural to us. It says, Paul says, I've learned what it means to be content. I've learned how to be content in these situations. Something we have to learn happens over time. It's not natural. If we don't learn contentment, we will feel entitled and when we do receive a gift from another, we won't be grateful and we'll wonder why they didn't give us more. We also must learn contentment in order to give. It doesn't matter how much you have, you can always give generously. And contentment is not based on our circumstances. Contentment is learned. And the third thing I want us to see is that contentment comes from Christ's strength. Paul says he, he knows how to get along with humble means. He knows how to live in prosperity. I think before he became a Christian, he, was, he said before, look, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was, I was uh, the, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was somebody. I think Paul, when, when he lived that life, I think Paul was very wealthy. And when he came to Christ, things changed. He lost his influence and he lost his wealth. And Paul has shared that, you know, there's been times that I've went... Sleepless nights without any food. Paul, Paul knows exactly what it's like to, to live on both sides of the spectrum. He says, I've learned. It says here, I've, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, hungry, both of having an abundance and suffering needs. So what is this secret? Okay, what, Paul, what's the, what's the secret here of of being content when you don't have anything? What's the secret of being content when you can have whatever you want? We get to that here in the next verse. Verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now, I want to communicate something that this verse is perhaps one of the most misused, misunderstood, and misapplied verses in all of Scripture. I had a t-shirt growing up that had a basketball being slam dunked into a basketball goal with this verse on it. So I used to think that growing up that Christ would give me strength. I could do all things, right? 
Through Christ who gives me strength, I thought that Jesus would give me the strength to slam dunk a basketball goal. Well, that has never happened. I've never come close. It's obviously not what this verse means. He's not, it doesn't mean that he's going to give us the strength to do whatever we, we put our minds. There's, I'm not going to be able to slam dunk a basketball goal. We have to understand what this verse means in this particular context. When, when, when Paul says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens him, that's linked to the verse before it. I can live in extreme poverty because Christ strengthens me. I can be content when I have wealth because Christ is my strength. This means that Christ strengthens us to be content in all things, in any and every circumstance. You see, without Christ, the one with nothing and the one with everything both of them will not be content. <clears throat> the one with nothing wants to have what they believe is enough. The one with everything wants more. But Christ gives us strength to be content whether we don't know where our next meal is coming from or whether we're eating in five-star restaurants. The secret of contentment is to find our joy in Christ alone. And not in the things of this world. And until we learn that secret of contentment to find our joy in Christ alone, we will not begin to live a life of joyful generosity. We won't give of our resources if we aren't content with what we have. We must learn that secret of finding our strength in Christ alone and our joy in Christ alone. The third thing I want us to see here is that generosity forms into gospel partnerships. As he continues on, he says, verse 14, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. He even says, you yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me. In the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Now that's actually a sad picture. That other churches were not giving to his needs, but this particular church were, were partnering with Paul out of a concern for him. They shared with him and meeting his needs for the advancement of the gospel. The Philippian church had formed a partnership with the Apostle Paul. And he says this also at the beginning of, of the letter, Philippians. I thank my God always. In every prayer, in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Through their giving, through their contributing to the Apostle Paul's needs, they are being participants in the gospel. And through your generosity, church, and packing shoeboxes, through your generosity and giving to the Lottie Moon offering, and not only that, but our Annie Armstrong at Easter and our Eliza Broadus offering, we're partnering with others and supporting the ministry of others who are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. You may never leave Harrodsburg, but you are a partner in the gospel ministry through your generous giving. I want you to think of your giving not just in dollars, but in souls. 
Your giving can lead to opportunities for gospel advancement where souls are saved and lives are changed. As you share in giving, your generosity results in ministry fruitfulness. You may never know the impact you'll have when a shoebox is delivered that you packed. You may never know how your dollars are being used across the globe, but you are partnering with others who are making an impact on the kingdom, and your generosity is forming gospel partnerships and resulting in ministry fruitfulness. Generosity forms partnerships in the gospel. Number four, generosity stores up eternal treasures. Number 17 Paul says, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Seems a bit odd. How does their giving turn into a profit? Now, I don't want you to believe the lie of prosperity preachers that you may see on TV. I've seen it a thousand times. And these, these preachers will come on and they'll say, if you sow me a seed then you're going to get back tenfold. You sow, I, I, you just give $1,000 and your $10,000 check's going to be in the mail. Well, I think everybody's still waiting on their $10,000 check who's given. Don't believe lies. There are charlatans out there who just want your money so they can live cushy, luxurious lives and they preach a fa- false gospel so they can make a fortune. That's not what is being said here. Remember what Jesus said. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. And the thief breaks in and steals, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. When you give generously, you are essentially storing up treasures in heaven. When you give, it's almost like you're making a deposit in a heavenly bank account. When we give generously to kingdom causes, we are making a profit of eternal treasures. When we give, we're showing that we don't treasure the things of the world, but we treasure the things of Christ. You know, even in my own thinking, my own life, I would love to have an antique classic car. My dream car would be a 1965 Ford Mustang, fully restored. But I would much rather invest my money in something would make an impact on eternity. Why would we invest our money in something that will rust or will be destroyed that we can't take with us? Instead, why don't we invest our money and give to things that will change someone's eternity? When we give generously, we make an eternal profit into our heavenly bank account. Imagine for a moment... You go to heaven, and someone comes up to you. Hey, Steve, is that you? Who are you? I don't, I don't think I know you. No, no, you don't, but you packed a shoebox, and I received that shoebox. When I received that box, I heard the gospel for the first time and was saved. It's because you gave that I'm here. Savannah, is that you? Have we met before? No? 
But you gave to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and that contributed to the salary of a missionary in Africa. When they shared the gospel with me, I became a follower of Christ. Her giving contributed to my eternal salvation. We'll never know the impact of our giving. We'll never know that shoebox that we pack, how that's going to impact a little child across the globe. We never know when we put money in the offering plate, where it's going, how it's going to be used, but we can know that God is going to bless those efforts and will result in salvation. So when your generosity is storing up eternal treasures, you're going to meet people in heaven that you don't even know that are there because of you. Generosity is an act of worship, number five. Paul continues in verse 18. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied that they've given so much that that his needs are met, he's taken care of. Having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. They sent this offering through this courier. And he calls it a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Paul calls the sacrifice of Christ in Ephesians 2 a fragrant aroma, an offering, and a sacrifice. He tells us in Romans 12:1 to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is our spiritual service of worship. In Genesis 8:20 20 through 21, Moses made a sacrifice of the clean animals, and it was a soothing aroma to the Lord. That this, that there's this connection of, of a sacrifice. It's a soothing aroma. Now, Christmas time is filled with soothing aromas. From the baking of pies to Christmas cookies or the smell of hot chocolate or hot apple cider, the, the smells of Christmas are a soothing aroma. And I love the smell of freshly baked chocolate chip cookies in the oven. Stop it. I'm ready for that timer to be. It's a soothing aroma. We're, we're ready for it. When we give, and we give generously, it's an opportunity to give a financial sacrifice that becomes a soothing aroma to the Lord. When we give generously, I believe it's, 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 it's all like it's sitting in aroma to the Lord, and um, I smell the generosity. It's pleasant to the Lord, and it's an act of worship that He is pleased with. Number six, generosity expresses trust in God's provision. In verse 19, they had had given to Paul. They had richly supplied his needs. Their giving is a, a fragrant aroma. And in verse 19, it says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God has given to us generously so that we will generously give to others. And when we open up our wallets and pocketbooks to give to others, we're communicating to God, God, I trust you. God, I know that you will supply all my needs, so I'm going to give sacrificially and generously because others have need of this. 
And this contribution will advance the kingdom, and I know that you're going to take care of me. When we hold back, when we don't give, or maybe we give just a little bit when we could give more, we're telling God, God I, you know, I know I need to give, but I don't know I'm going to pay bills this month. God, I, I know I need to give, but man, have you seen the cost of gas and groceries? I know I need to give. I know you're calling me to give, but hmm, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to pay the bills first, and then we'll see what's left, and we'll see if I can give something, Lord. No, our generous giving expresses our trust. That God will meet our needs. He will provide for us. So when you give, give in a way that shows your trust that God will richly supply your needs. He will. As we come to a close, a couple other points here very quickly. Number seven, generosity is fully expressed in the context of the local church. Individuals can certainly be generous. But remember, in this particular time, in the book of Philippians, this was an entire church that was generous. The, the gift was sent from the church. Perhaps some in a, in a congregation might give more than others. But this was a church endeavor. These last two verses, where it talks about greet the saints. All the saints greet you. This is a, this is a church, a, a, a corporate effort here of giving. Now you may wonder... You know, let's, let's say hypothetically that you put in 10 bucks each week in the month of December to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You may wonder, that's only $40. What good is $40 going to do for the kingdom of God? Well, $40 by itself probably won't get very far. You're right. But I want you to think about something here. If 20 people put in $10 a month, I mean $10 a week, in the month of December for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Do you know how many? There are over 50,000 Southern Baptist churches. So if every, in every church, let's say in 50,000 Southern Baptist churches, if 20 people put in 10 bucks a week, that's doable. I, spend, I can spend 10 bucks a week on fast food during the week. If 20 people in 50,000 Southern Baptist churches put in 10 bucks a week, $40 a month. We would raise $40 million for foreign missions. So yeah, buy yourself 10 bucks a week, which amounts to only $40. That's not even going to fill up my gas tank this week. But when churches across the nation partner together, we are a force to be reckoned with, and we can raise the funds necessary to advance the gospel to, so the people who have never heard of Jesus can find salvation. Lastly, generosity is possible because of the generous grace of God that he has shown us in Christ. The, the final verse, Paul says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. We give generously out of a response to the generosity of Christ in giving his life for us. We have received his grace that he has lavished upon us, that he's poured out upon us. He gave his life. So certainly we can give generously to kingdom causes and to those in need. <clears throat> As you make your Christmas wish list and start buying presents 
for others. Consider how you will give to eternal causes. I would love to see us exceed our Lottie Moon goal. I would love to see us give generously to those within our own community so that we can have opportunities to share the good news. I think it's great that we partner with Operation Christmas Child and send shoeboxes that no doubt will result in gospel opportunities. But let's pray and consider how we can start some things like that in our own community. Let's give generously to the causes of foreign mission, but let's also give generously so that people down the street can hear the good news and be saved. When we give generously, church, and you receive the generous gift of others, you will rejoice greatly in the Lord, and your joy will be increased. Let's pray.